2005, there was a mission team from Massachusetts came to Durban, South Africa. And uh, this team began to serve. And uh, Deshn and I were just dating at that time. And there was this young lady uh, who sang at VBS. I'm like, whoa, she can sing. And uh, years later, uh, we get to serve together. And that's uh, Chantal that you just heard singing. Amen? Met in South Africa. Yeah. <clears throat> Some people say it's a small world. Others say it's a big God. All right? Uh, so praise God for, for, for her ministry and for the ministry team in worship. Now, in this room today, and those of you who are listening online and watching online, there could be a lot of discouraged evangelists. I've been trying and trying so hard, but Sean, I'm tired of loving and loving and loving. I, you know what? Won't my son just come to know Christ? Won't my daughter just be delivered? Won't my, my, my co-worker please see the light? And so today, there's a lot of discouraged evangelists in the local church. And I want you to take heart today and hear the words of God that He has a plan for you. And I know you are tired, and I know you are discouraged, and I know you are praying, but hold on, hang on. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus began to teach, and if you look at Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, I wish I was there uh, to hear Jesus speak in the flesh, but I'm here today to hear Jesus speak in the Spirit. And so as Jesus began to, uh, to preach, and he said, blessed uh, are those, right? Uh, blessed are, blessed. And so you, you know that. And then at the end of it, I'm like, how will Jesus close the Sermon on the Mount? What will the altar call look like? He said, well, uh, don't be a fool. That's, not, <laughs> that, that's only Jesus' way to have an altar call, all right? He said, if you're building on the sand, you're a fool. If you're building on the, on the rock, you're building on a strong foundation, and somewhere in the middle on that Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16. Many of us know this portion of Scripture. You are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. And so today in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, help me today, church. Let us turn up the volume of evangelism in our lives. Amen? Can I get a better amen? amen. The enemy can't win this battle. He can't. We fight from a point of victory because Jesus already paid the ultimate price. I pray you listen to God's word and be challenged today. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, in the same way, Jesus says, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the same way, let your light so shine. And today could be a lot of tired torchbearers in the room. You're tired. I'll keep on sharing and sharing and sharing. And the question is, how long, Sean? i got an answer for you. Our God is awesome. He can do all things. He can do it right now as we speak. He can encourage you. He can save the lost. He can raise the dead. Because my Bible teaches me that Jesus said, I am, not I was. He's still saving people. He's still reconciling the lost to
to himself. And if you are listening or watching online today, I pray if you don't know Jesus Christ or if anyone in the room today who don't know who Jesus is, I pray today you'll have a clear understanding how much Jesus Christ loves you. In fact, he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you that way. He loves you just the way you are. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and he gathered a big crowd and, 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 and he taught. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. My friends, Aaron Coe and Dustin Willis wrote this book, Life on Mission. And this is what they said. There is nothing more freeing than abandoning your own mission and joining the everyday mission of God. Remember when you got saved? Lord, I'll do anything for you. And then further down the line, you joined your own mission. Jesus is calling you back to his mission. There's nothing more freeing than abandoning your own mission and joining the everyday mission of God. Because mission is a mother of all theology. So how do we get excited about sharing Jesus? How do we get excited to keep the light burning? Because Jesus is hope for the earth and he is glory for heaven. Amen? Jesus is enough. And today I know you are still trusting. Trust harder. Because Jesus is willing. We just got to meet him there. We just got to meet him there. I pray today we'll talk today about uh, a gospel posture. How are we posturing our heart today? Because the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. He has called the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and to carry the torch, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So think with me today, we're having a big bonfire right now. And we're not going to dismiss church later on. We're going to commission the church. So you take your light and shine brightest where God has placed you. Discouragement today becomes the biggest threat to the living church. Are we still excited about who Jesus is? Are we still excited when thousands and thousands of people come to live in Pensacola? In 2013, Pastor and I were, uh, were preaching in Prestonwood, uh, uh, Texas, and this is what he said. Uh, I have been to Pensacola, I think, once by then. He said, Pensacola is a place where thousands live and where millions love to live. I never knew I'd be living in Pensacola today, but we are close to the million mark. We have made room for them. So what are the postures that you wake up every morning? Every morning you wake up and you see something and, and, and things are changing. Uh, Escambia County is changing. Santa Rosa County is changing. The entire Northwest Florida is changing. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you want to see is a window. The first thing you see is a window. Why? Let's see what the weather looks like. And the last two months it's been raining. All right? And I thought we will not have humidity this summer. God help us. <laughs> All right? That's the first thing you see. Let me ask you, in the five years that I'm here, this region of the country has changed. This region of this country has changed. The window, a posture of brokenness. There's four aspects that I have noticed. Socially, 
we are more diverse than I thought we were. I mean, go to school. You see, diversity, look at the military, diverse. Every socioeconomic, every age bracket. It's a different demographic. Go to the hospital. Man, there are more diverse personnel in the hospitals these days. It's growing socially. The world is coming here. We have more students at UWF than we, never, than we ever had. Not only is it growing socially, it's growing economically. Businesses are starting in this regions, uh, in region of the wor uh, world and are, and are staying here. Businesses are staying in Escambia. Businesses are staying in Santa Rosa. This may be too much information, but I want you to take, uh, take note of this. Previously, for you to break your profession growth, you need to leave this county to be a CEO. Well, today you can be a CEO right here. How many of you with me? There's more people doing ed post-education at UWF than undergrad. Why? They have married, found a home, and doing graduate studies. Economically, we are booming. And obviously, physically, we are growing. Come on, guys. Check this out. Schumacher Highway has traffic, y'all. I mean, <laughs> you never would have thought that. Peanut Fields has homes, and people live in those homes, and those people don't know Jesus. So if we are growing in this part of the world, in this part of Florida, before, apparently when I was asking people, downtown never looked like what it looked like right now. Now you have restaurants. I was downtown a couple of weeks ago. There's a buzz going downtown, happening downtown, a big buzz. Everyone wants to hang out. So we are growing socially, we are growing economically, we are growing physically. People are building houses everywhere. Are we growing spiritually? Are we going spiritually? Sometimes we send missionaries to the ends of the earth, but God called this missionary, this is my ends of the earth. Some people are, are traveling, immigrating to this part of the country and making it and calling it home. Is the church awake? Is the church alive? Or is the church so tired of shining? You know, if you want to reach the world, reach UWF. You want to reach the world? Reach the guys and girls working in Navy Fed. Because they have clients all over the world. You want to reach the world? Look at our military. What I'm trying to say is the people who work at Navy Fed are your neighbors. When you tell that neighbor about Jesus, the next client that person is talking to on Monday morning at Navy Fed will share that Jesus to someone who's in Japan. Same thing with UWF. You connect with the students here, you share Christ with students here, and they'll carry the gospel. What about the military? all over the world. And Olive Baptist Church is strategically placed to change the scope of people's eternity if we start getting excited about talking to our neighbors about Jesus. Traffic lights are going up. Piggly Wigglies are opening. <laughs> hey, I'm reading up on this stuff, all right? What is the church doing? 
So every morning when you wake up, who do you see through your window? You're seeing hurt, pain, darkness, lostness, no purpose. And because you saw that through your window, you have a responsibility. Because do you know what happens with lost people? When people are lost in darkness, they isolate. When people are isolated, the enemy attacks even more. It's in Scripture. Look at the Garden of Eden. And guess what you have? The light that Jesus is talking about. So when you walk into any situation, when you walk into a dark situation, you carry the light with you. Think about it this way, people. When faith walks in, fear walks out. You carry the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. I don't think the human mind can fathom the amount of power that we have stored up in our hearts if we believe in Jesus. This is no eight-volt battery we have living in us, my friend. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living in us right now. He calls us for a purpose because when you see that hurting people through that window, you don't move away. Jesus always runs towards hurting people. And you ask Sean, how do you know that? He ran towards me. I chose to run away from him. I mean, school gives freedom on summer holidays and VBS takes it away. I mean, who wants to go and sit in VBS in summer? When I was growing up in South Africa, we want to go fishing. But one day, one day, Christianity was not a bunch of rules and regulations. It was a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you are here today, Jesus is running towards you. And if he's running towards you, you ought to run towards others. That's what's happening right now. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. What did Jesus teach us? Jesus came, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know what's worse than being lost? When someone's not looking for you. That's the worst kind of feeling, a hollow feeling when you are lost and no one's looking for you. They don't even know you exist. They don't even miss you in connection group if you are lost. No one's, no one's bothered anymore. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save. And later on in Luke chapter 19, the same chapter in verse number 41, listen to this, guys. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He just wept John eleven thirty five. 35, he just wept over Lazarus, his friend. Jesus now is riding into Jerusalem. And when he drew near, he saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. Picture this, Jesus is riding on a donkey, weeping. Not because he's going to die 24 hours time, no. He's weeping for the people who don't know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is riding right down Pensacola, right down Milton today, weeping over a place where people have forgotten who he is. What do you see through your window? I often say, you know, Jesus wept over his city. How many times we complain over ours? 
I'm asking you today to have a posture, a gospel posture of brokenness. Lord, break my heart from what break yours. Jeremiah helps us to understand verse number 29 and verse number 7. Chapter 29, verse 7. He says, seek the welfare of your city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For if it's, if it's welfare, prosper you too will prosper. Jeremiah is talking about in the Old Testament. You are in exile. This world is not your home. But while you know that this world is not your home, love the people that you are surrounded by, but by your love they will know your king. And his name is Jesus. Our king is different from every other king because our king is the king of kings. Amen? So the next time you look through the window and you see a need, it's because Jesus is speaking to you to shine bright and be an answer to that need. Church of Christ, we have always said, I'll pray about it. Could be today you can be the answer to that prayer. We always use this famous dictum, God helps those who help themselves. We always say that, right? God helps those who help themselves. And it's often believed that that phrase is found in the Bible. I've got news for you. It comes from the verse in the Quran. This is a verse in the Quran. This is why it reads, Indeed, Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves. Al-Rad, chapter 13, verse 11. Imagine you are lost and you need to change yourself. Lost people are dead people. Dead people cannot change anything. Imagine you are lost and someone expects holiness from you. You can't. Lost people are dead people. The gospel of Jesus Christ came to make lost people found, came to make dead people alive. We were lost in our transgressions. We were lost going to a lost eternity. We cannot even save ourselves. If we could, there's no need for Jesus. Because poverty is not the world's problem or else God would have sent dollars and gold. Sin was a problem and God sent his son because no one else qualified. I'm asking you today when you look through the window, everybody needs somebody to see them like Jesus. Won't you please be that somebody that sees someone like Jesus does. Can you pray today? Father, can you please break my heart for my neighbor like the way your heart breaks for him? I know he doesn't cut his grass on time. I know he does not move his trash can in time. I know they make noise at night. My children are sleeping. I know all of that. But Father, can you please break my heart from what breaks yours? We have forgotten the broken heart of Jesus because we have results that we want to see with our own strength. As long as you are trying to share Christ on your own strength, nothing will happen. There's a psalmist that says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. I want to sing, let Pensacola be glad and sing for joy. There's a bunch of people that wants to love on Pensacola. I wrote a question in my Bible. Sean, 
Do you believe that sin is the ultimate problem in this world and that Jesus is the only answer? Do you believe that? That sin is the world's greatest problem and Jesus is the only answer. Not a answer, the answer. So I pray today that you will pray, Father, break my heart from what breaks yours. The lost sheep. Jesus loves to be interrupted. After a long day being a shepherd, you came in, there was 99. What did Jesus do? He left the 99 and went to find the one. Jesus loves to be interrupted. Jesus wants to come after your one. How do you know it, Sean? Because he found someone like me. How do you know he lives, Sean? He lives in me. How do you know he forgives someone, Sean? Because he forgave me. I pray that we'll ask God today to break your heart from what breaks God. But when you wake up in the morning and you see the window, that's not the only thing you see. Check this out. You see a mirror. That's a mirror. <laughs> when you see the mirror, then you look at yourself and you see, wow, how great you are. No, you're not. There's a restaurant downtown that do not have a mirror in the men's bathroom. I don't know what they have in the women's, but in the men's bathroom, he says, you look fine. That's, that's yeah, I forget which, everyone's mind is thinking which restaurant now. Uh, it's a station, something station. You have a mirror. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? If you know Jesus Christ, the next time you look in the mirror, say, thank you, Jesus, for saving a wretch like me. Because God never looks in your mirror and wish he saw somebody else. Do you know how confused you and I get when we look in a mirror? We don't give praise. We make comparisons when we look in a mirror. And these comparisons today is being used by the enemy. We make false criticism when we look into the mirror. What do you mean by that, Sean? God has already handed down the final verdict of approval about you in Christ. You are saved if you believe in Jesus. Don't doubt that. Amen. The enemy will try to make a claim. Did God actually forgive you? I bet you God didn't forget your sin. He didn't set you free. Uh 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 uh. No. God forgives, God forgets, and God sets you free. Those of you who believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. You are free. Not only there's false criticism, there's false comparisons. Let me tell you, we are nothing in ourselves, but has received everything from Christ. So don't believe in this false criticism and false comparisons when you look in the mirror. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And by the way, there's no greater honor being a child of God. I don't need a sir in front of my name. I don't need anything. I want to be a child of God. I want to know the king. I want to be the, a heir to the king of kings and the lord of lords. When I go to heaven, gates are opening. That's where I want to go. Can I get a better amen? Come on. That's where you want to go. 
So the next time you look in the mirror, don't say, oh, woe is me. Say, wow, is God. That he will choose someone like me to go to this broken person I've saw through the window to tell him about Jesus, to bake some cookies for them, or to take them something that they need, or to go alongside their struggling son. You see, we need community. That's what the mirror teaches us. The mirror teaches us that we, we needed unconditional love. And those people that you saw through that window or perhaps through your car window or perhaps in your office cubicle, they also need that unconditional love, the same love that Jesus loved us. We feel, well, Jesus loves me a certain way because, you know, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of God. Well, he loves that person just the same. You just got to tell him more so that that person can love him. Do you know that? He, Jesus loves the lost person as much as he loves you, but that lost person don't know how to love Jesus back. It's called you. So the next time you go into a place where you know people who don't know Jesus, man, be the child of God that you are called to be. Don't get tired of shining. You know, I love A.W. Tozer. He says, if you think worship is boring, then you're not ready for heaven, okay? We're going to be praising Jesus for eternity, guys. For eternity. Man, God saved us. We were walking down a wrong path. God saved us. He picked up from the muck and the mire of this world. He cleaned us up and he called us his child. Those people that you are seeing through that window needs the gospel. I've come to love Pensacola minus the summer, you know. I'm just a pretty cool place. Desh and I came to love Pensacola. We came to love this area. I love driving in the country in Santa Rosa <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> and I see the vastness of God's beauty. And then I see the beautiful bride of Christ perfectly located to make a difference for Jesus. Wow. Because the gospel, listen to this, guys, our young people, listen to this. The gospel save us from the deadly trap of having to develop our identity. The gospel saves us from the deadly trap of trying to develop our own identity. If you try to identify yourself apart the gospel, who knows what you'll identify yourselves in this crazy world we're living in. But if you know Jesus, you can stand up straight and look someone in the eye and say, I am a child of God. How do you know that? For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to die for me. And I believe in him. That's why I know my identity. It's hidden in Christ. Who would have thought 
identity will be the most confused conversation in today's world. Come to Jesus. You clear all of that up. But so you, you wake up in the morning, right, and you, you see a window, um, you see a mirror. Of course, you see the door. Here we go. You see the brokenness. You praise God for your salvation. Now you go make a difference. Every day. Jesus Christ came. He spent three and a half years with his disciples. The disciples saw water into wine. I mean, first miracle. Jesus was the life of the party. All right? Turn water into wine, we'll invite you any day. All right? They saw all the miracles that Jesus performed. Raising of Lazarus, front seat. Feeding of 5,000, they had a doggy bag. I mean, they saw everything. They saw everything. One dude walked on water. Come on. They actually saw Jesus die on the cross. Some people were fortunate enough to see an empty tomb. Then Jesus appears. Thomas actually touched the wound. If you think that's not enough, they also had breakfast cooked by the resurrected Savior. And then they saw him vanish. But he said, before he vanished into heaven, he said, wait. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Before, before you open this door, fall on your knees in a posture of prayer and say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me. That when I open this door and I go out for another day of work or go to class, go to school, or wherever I'm going, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Because I'll tell you why we are tired evangelists in the room. We have left the Holy Spirit out in the process of evangelism. And we are relying on our own strength. We rely on our own strength. And then evangelism becomes frustrating and discouraging because you left the key ingredient. Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's a privilege, people. It's a privilege to have a posture of brokenness, a posture of praise, and a posture of trust. And when you ask the Spirit of God to bathe you with the power of the Holy Spirit, then you become a rejoicing person. And a rejoicing Christian is a sharing Christian. Can I get an amen? When you're talking about things of God, you are rejoicing. When you stop talking about the things of God, you're not rejoicing. So the disciples waited. They saw all the miracles. They've been to Awana. They've been to VBS. They've been to camp. They've been to boot camp. They saw all the miracles. They said, wait, wait. Now go. That's why we have Olive Baptist Church today. Because the apostles waited for the power of the Holy Spirit. Years later, we have this. 
Now, I know you are saying, Sean, I'm not like you, Sean. I mean, you are in full-time ministry. Well, do you have a part-time Jesus? There's no partial Jesus when you come to know Jesus. It's Jesus. So we are called to live for Jesus. There's no full-time ministry and part-time ministry because we have a full-time Jesus. He's with us always, guiding us always. And some of you are saying, well, Sean, that's not for me. Well, let me tell you, Peter was outspoken and impulsive. Barnabas was warm and accepting. Lydia was a risk-taker and hospitable. Paul was dominant and direct. Timothy was withdrawn and reserved. Mary was busy and meticulous. Apollos was studious and reflective. Titus was organized and strategic. Thomas was skeptical and detailed. Luke was educated and analytical. Sean is not afraid, just have an accent. That's it. <laughs> Evangelism, it's not personality-driven. It's Holy Spirit-driven. Four years ago, I preached the introvert and the Great Commission. There is no such a book as the Introvert and the Great Commission. It's the introvert and Jesus. So don't think you don't have the personality. If you have Jesus, you are a light bearer. If you have Jesus. You know, I like this door. Glenn Best tried to open this door, but uh, it, it didn't work out. Let me tell you this, guys. When you're going to work tomorrow... God doesn't send without going to. God goes with you. He said he'll never leave you. So you walk into your office tomorrow, walk into work tomorrow, God is with you. You can't check him at the door. Come on, John. He's with you. I'm asking you, this is a good crowd to ask this, Next week, Sunday, is August 8th at 5.30 evening, Sunday night church. I'm leading an evangelism equipped training. Evangelism equipped. My team has bought some gifts you don't want to miss. I'm asking for 500 people to join me next Sunday. Now, parents, the first thing, it's the last Sunday before school. I want to encourage you, you'd rather be in the house of God before your children go to school. Okay. First service, I had 15 people said they'll join me. And I told pastor, before I go on vacation, he's going to watch this online, I told pastor, I'll get 500 people. Don't worry, preacher, you go on vacation. Who's with me? Oh, Lord, let's try it again. <laughs> hey, I want to save my job, okay? Who's with me for next week, Sunday? Let's get, come and get encouraged. Amen. I see some mans. Amen. Amen. We'll make 50. Don't worry, it's okay. But during this week, I'm asking you, to bring your family, and let's trust Jesus again. Amen? We're tired. Let's trust Jesus again. As John plays, in this room today, in my heart, God has placed something in my heart before I step out here. There's a lot of tired people in evangelism. Sean, I've been praying for my son, my daughter, my family member for so long. Nothing's happening. Can I invite you to come pray one more time? Can I invite you to come? Please, come up. I know there's people in the room. I know. If you're praying for someone in your family, come on. 
Everybody on your feet, John's going to lead us in singing. Let's all stand. But those of you who are trusting God for your family, for someone you know who needs Jesus, can I ask you to come? Yes, I know you're here. I know you're here. The Spirit of God, just put this in my heart right now. If you are trusting God for someone in your family, and you say, God, I'm not going to be tired anymore. I'm going to keep on pressing on. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my loved one. I'm asking you to come. There's nothing that our God cannot do. Look at this. Come on. There's more people. Come on. You are in tears. You are praying for your grandson. You are praying for your granddaughter. You are praying for someone in your family. Perhaps a co-worker. Someone you know. Someone you know in Pensacola. Or maybe away. You know someone. Look at these people. You know someone that needs to know Jesus. And, and grandparent, you are tired. Parent, you are tired. It's when is God going to open this door? I'm asking you to come. The Spirit of God is here. Let's trust God together. There's nothing our God cannot do.